Thank you very much, Naomi. Let's pray together. Father, we recognize we live in the present. And as Naomi's saying, we don't know about tomorrow. We can look at how you worked in the past and how you're working in the present. And in light of our confidence in you, we want to trust you in the future, but in the present we want to be obedient. So we consider your word. We want to live it out to please you. Which in Christ's name I pray, amen. Couple of thought questions. What is your response to love covers over a multitude of sins? Does love overlook sin in one's family? Should you confront a friend who uses cutting words often if you love him or her? Do you ignore a friend's habitual use of pornography because love covers over sin? Does love say, well, that's just the way Sally is. She's always been controlling and she always will be. What does love covers over a multitude of sins mean? What does it look like in a local church, in a family, in a marriage? Let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, reading together verses 7 through 11. And keep in mind that Peter is writing to saints who are going through persecution, going through difficulty. And again, that persecution difficulty was not coming from the government, coming from neighbors, co-workers, may have been family members, and that was coming because of their coming to faith in Christ and living for him. So he seeks to encourage them, to spur them on. In chapter 3, he was encouraging them to be ready to give an answer if someone asked the hope that they have because of the way they were living. He also mentions in chapter 3, verses 18 and through 22, that Christ is victorious. Now Christ died, he arose, and he is seated at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. He also encourages them in the beginning of chapter 4, don't give in to evil desires. And he reminds them in verses 5 and 6 that God will judge. With those thoughts in mind, let's read together. 7 through 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. The context of verses 7 through 11 is that of fellowship among believers that of community, that of body life, a local church, not mere individuals. 
He talks about being self-controlled so you can pray, which we considered a number of weeks ago. Talks about loving each other deeply, offering hospitality, you know, having a gift, use it. The words one speaks should be as the very words of God. Again, a context of fellowship, context of body life, a context of community. And he says in verse 8, above all, Love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Above all, of highest importance, its core, its foundational. In Ephesians 5, if you want to turn there, 1 and 2, Paul emphasizes love as he writes to the Ephesians. In Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, the imitators of God, therefore, is Dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Turn over just a few pages to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 14. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 14. And over all these virtues... He had mentioned bearing with one another forgiveness, compassion, gentleness, and so on. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, or chapter 13 and verse 1, in the dealing with spiritual gifts, he talks about the centrality, the importance of love. Above all, Love each other deeply. Here's a definition of love, a definition that I came up with. I'm not saying it's totally right, but the unconditional giving of one's total self to another imperfect person to the extent that their needs become your own needs. Above all, love. Above all, give unconditionally. You just love. You don't withhold. Giving total self. Time, money, abilities, and so on. To another imperfect person, we recognize as we love one another, we're imperfect. But so are other people. They're going to fail. They're going to disappoint us to the extent that their needs become your needs. Love. It says love one another deeply. We give a definition of love. Just listen to a couple words that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. In the context of community, in the context of fellowship, above all, love each other. Within the body of Christ, love each other deeply. The idea of deeply is in an extended matter, and in an intense manner, 
in an earnest manner, just fervently. My four dollars here, and I'm planning to give these four dollars away. You're too tall, Danny. <laughs> Lee Ron, you're just even bigger. Come on up here, Caleb. Now, these are for your four dollars if you can reach them. <laughs> Try again. I had some other ideas I was going to give or use, but I thought I'll use the dollars. Deeply. He put in some effort. There was some earnestness there. I could see it, some intenseness. He's saying, I love each other like that. Love each other deeply. Above all, love each other deeply. Why? Because love covers over a multitude of sins. And the word covered means just what it says, to cover. It hides. Here I have a box. I covered it. Love one another deeply. Because love covers over a multitude, a magnitude, a great number. The ideas of a crowd or of a throng, throng, you know, a lot. It covers over a multitude of sins. Sin. Sins. Missing the point of life, a relationship with God. Missing the mark of obedience to the Lord. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Love had been mentioned in chapter 1 and verse 22. Now that you purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. Now in chapter 1 and verse 22, you need to understand that the first word for love there is phileo, referring to a family type of love. And then he says, love one another deeply. He talks there about God's style of love, if you please, agape. Because you're part of the family, Through faith, he then says, agape, be unconditionally committed to one another deeply. Love is a natural outcome of being purified by the truth. Thus, as members of God's family, Peter says, love one another deeply. Why? Because it covers over a multitude of sins. This isn't the first time Peter has mentioned sin. In chapter 1 and verse 2, Peter says, for obedient, at the end of the verse, for obedience to Jesus Christ and the sprinkling by his blood. Sprinkling by his blood. Christ's blood deals with sin. It's his blood that paid for sin. Sin is not overlooked 
or ignored, but paid for by Christ. In chapter 2, 1 through 4, Peter talked about evil desires. Rid yourself of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Not to be conformed to them. It says, rid yourself of them. In chapter 1, 17 through 20, Peter also talks about the redemption from sin that came through Jesus Christ, redeemed not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. I'm sorry, but I mentioned that was one for that we deal with evil desires in chapter 2, ridding yourself of malice, envy, and so on. No, sin is not being tolerated. It's not being accepted. He says, rid yourself of these items. In chapter 3 and verse 18, Peter says, Christ the righteous one died for our sins once for all to bring us to God. Again, sins are not overlooked. But rather, payment was made in Christ. In chapter 4 and verse 1, he says, Suffering results in turning from and letting sin control us. Chapter two, verses, or chapter four, verses two through five, he encourages, he says, the lifestyle of the pagans don't live that way any longer. Sin, sins have been paid for among believers through the Christ. Thus, the covering of sins means that we don't make others pay for them. They've already been paid for through Christ. Once for all. But covering for sin, as you read the, first, or the context of 1 Peter, involves acknowledging that the sins of others are paid for. Do you ever think, I will make you pay, or I will get? Sin's already been paid for. Refusing to use the sins of others as a reason to withdraw from giving to them. You hurt me, I'll back off. I won't give. Love covers a multitude of sins. In the context of persecution... You know, things can get tense among believers. You're going through hardship. You're going through tough times. And you begin to get testy sometimes. Peter says, love covers a multitude of sins. Well, she said something to me that kind of hurt a little. Well, I'm not going to make a big issue of it. Refusing to dwell on their sins which affects relationships. Do you ever keep track of someone's sins? This is the third time they offended me. This is the fourth time they hurt me. I'm talking to other believers. (laughs) Refusing to dwell. Refusing to let them continue continue in their sin since we have been redeemed. 
you just don't say, well, it's the way they are. Just let them continue. You seek to help them deal with their sin since it's been redeemed. Think about sin. We struggle with sin among believers, but we've been bought out from sin so we can help someone else have victory over their sin. The sin is not the issue, it's holiness. Giving to them as they seek to live a good and godly life. We give. We spur them on. Helping others by laying aside behaviors, beliefs, attitudes, and in, which influence body life. Just seeking to help them. Love covers a multitude of sins. Peter's statement, love covers a multitude of sins, probably is something that the people were familiar with, the people to whom Peter is writing. It probably ties in somewhat with Proverbs 10 and verse 12, where Solomon says something very similar in the context of relationships, in the context of the tongue, where he says, Proverbs 10 and verse 12, hatred stirs up dissension, but love covers over all wrongs. Hatred is not a good thing. It brings division. I think you've lived long enough to see hatred expressed. You've seen division among people. Hatred stirs up dissension. But love covers over wrong. If you were to take time to think about your life, you probably, if you wanted to remember how you have been hurt along the way by people in life, believers, in some way, shape, or form. And if you dwell on that, you move towards hatred, that's going to bring dissension. And we don't have to look at the church very long in terms of history, to see that taking place. In Acts chapter 6, it was taking place. There was some problem with the widows, and some dissension arose. And you can look at that, and you can find it down through the pages of church history. Solomon says, love covers over all wrongs. Peter says, love one another deeply, because it covers over a multitude of sins. Covering involves, and I repeat, not making others pay for their sins. They've been already paid for through the sacrifice of Christ. But hatred stirs up dissensions and quarrels, but love covers all wrongs. Relationships are not always easy even among believers. A number of years ago, Ruth and I were taking my mother for a drive when she was still living at Richfield. And we were going through an area that we were both familiar, or all three were familiar with. And uh, 
We talk about who lived here and who lived there and who used to live here. And we talk some about neighbors and how they got along or didn't get along. And went by a church and I said, Mom, when did that church come into existence? So it wasn't here years ago. Oh, she said, they had a problem with this church and this church and their issues. Some of them started another church. They're just not getting along anymore. And we drove down the road a little further and I said, Mom, where'd this church come from? Oh, that church started from this church over here because they just weren't getting along. Hatred stirs up dissensions, but love covers a multitude of sins. He's speaking of believers. He's speaking of community. He's speaking of fellowship. And he says, love one another deeply because it covers over a multitude of sins. I've been asked already if about how my wife has hurt me. I don't know how she has hurt me. Has she ever? I assume so. But I've chosen to love her and cover her sins. Among believers, love one another deeply. And in the process, love covers over a multitude of sins. And it doesn't mean it ignores, as already mentioned. The forbearance that does not let wrongs done within the Christian community come to their fullest and most poisonous expression. I remember the occasion when someone did not speak very nicely to me. I thought I have a choice. I can go back at them the way they came at me. Or I can love them and come back with a kind word. In that case, I came back with a kind word. And that individual today is less verbal in an unkind way because they experienced my response. Love covers a multitude of sins. Stop. Ponder. A loving local body of believers in Christ, which makes biblical love central, seems to result in the freedom for believers to live open lives, acknowledging sin and sins, but yet being loved and accepted. This results in a local church that is maturing in holiness. If we hide sins, they control us. Sins brought into the light, acknowledged to others, yielded or yields, breaking the power of sin. Practically, the idea is that if I can acknowledge my sin, knowing I will continue to be loved, its power is broken. Believers don't withdraw, but continue to give. That is love. What happens in a local church where this is practiced as a pattern or practiced in a marriage or in a family? Results of love, freedom for believers to live open lives, acknowledging sin or sins, but yet being loved and accepted. I'm saying coddled, but dealt with. The body maturing, 
in holiness. If we hide sins, they control us. Slavery to them increases. My wife, many times over the years, has said to me, Dan, you're too quiet. You don't talk enough. God gave her vocabulary of 500 words. He gave me a vocabulary of 10 words. So, you know, we, I can't talk as much. My vocabulary isn't as big. I say that jokingly. But she has said to me, Dan, you don't talk enough. I realize that that is a struggle for me at times. But what has she done? She has reminded me of that. But she continues to love me and she continues to talk. And that has brought out a deeper relationship between her and I. And that has brought out that I talk now. I have a vocabulary of 15 words. Love covers over a multitude of sins. And in the context of marriage, we get married and Ruth Ann said, I can't cook. I don't even know how to boil water. She made a shoe fly pie for me one time. Her mother sent the recipe. And if you heard this before, bear with me. I sat down to eat it and I cut it. I put a piece in my plate and I thought, where's the goo? There was none. Five cups of flour and one pie. I said, honey, don't worry about it. I got the applesauce out and I put applesauce with the crumbs. What was I doing covering over? Think about the body of Christ. Someone sins against us and we're tempted to get up tight. Love covers over a multitude of sins. Sin brought out into the light before, before others breaks the power. Sin is not ignored. It is brought out into the light and it is dealt with. Doesn't result in being back, you don't get backed away from but rather you embrace. Love covers a multitude of sins. Consider the implications of the body of Christ as believers deal with the following, lying, sensuality, unfaithfulness in some area of their life. But people continue to love them and care for them and draw close to them. couple practical thoughts as sins are known. Believers are reminded their sins are paid for in Christ. Believers are reminded that they have been redeemed from their sins, thus they don't have to live in slavery to them long term. Believers are exhorted to put sins to death. Believers are reminded that we will stick with you in spite of your struggle. We will not withdraw. Believers are helped in becoming victorious over sins. Believers are confronted with sin, but still loved. We don't say, well, that's just the way so-and-so is, as an excuse. 
but rather say, that's the way so-and-so is. I'm going to love them and help them become different. I think of the church that had some verbal struggles. People were saying things that you know, created some tension. There were some people in this church that had some control issues. They tried to control things. There were some people in this church that had some sexual temptations. And there were people in this church that also used cutting words more than they should have been allowed, should have been used. But yet the church heeded the admonition of loving one another deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Today that church has less verbal struggles, less control struggles. Some of the temptations are being dealt with in a much more godly manner. And the cutting words have decreased. Why? Because of a genuine love. Does love overlook sin in one's family? No. It continues to love as sin is addressed. Should you confront a friend who uses cutting words? Yeah, but still love them. Do you ignore friends' habitual use of pornography because love covers over sin? No. Love continues to give and care for them as you seek to help them. Love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. As we think about love, we think about Christ. He's the one who came to this world, humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He's the one who learned obedience by suffering, Hebrews chapter 5. He's the one who continued to care and give to the Twelve, in spite of failures and struggles and bickering and quarreling along the way. And if you look at the twelve who died, eleven of them dying for Christ, John being exiled for a period of time, the transformation that took place because they experienced love. Not only from God, not only from Christ, but within the body of Christ. And as we partake of communion this morning, we're remembering Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his being seen. We're reflecting on the fact that within the body of Christ, there are relationships. And as 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says, you know, examine yourself, and he's talking. That in the context of relationships. We can live in community. We can live in fellowship with our imperfections because of Christ and love covering a multitude of sins.
1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord what also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Come to faith in Christ as we partake of communion. You're more than willing to partake. Ask the men to come forward, please.